You are listening to The Gospel for Geeks. I'm Father Roderick, and this is a recording of my Sunday homily. You can find more information about the Bible readings in the show notes. Disney Plus just launched a new series called Andor. The series is named after the protagonist of the story, Cassian Andor, who is from a faraway remote planet and is somehow going to be a very important person in the overall history of Star Wars. He will be one of the leaders of the Resistance. But when we first meet him, he is living a very humble life. Actually, not even a very moral life. And the world that we see is not the world of important Jedi, of wise masters in the light side of the Force. We don't see the classic hero story of someone like Luke Skywalker or Anakin who is born with the promise that he will be the redeemer of the galaxy. This is just about a regular guy living among people that are suffering under the weight of the Empire. The Empire under our Emperor Palpatine has started to take hold of all these planets and is exploiting people robbing them from the riches, from the resources of their planets, and suppresses their free will and their own culture so that they may serve the empire. It is a world with huge differences between the powerful and the powerless. And the people that are without power and who are robbed from their dignity and robbed from their own sustenance are getting more and more frustrated and are suffering so much that some of them are starting to revolt. We're seeing here the origin of what will turn into the rebellion later on. It is a very important lesson that you see in Star Wars in the way that that story is unfolding over these various centuries, that even though an empire may seem extremely powerful, and have all the cards, they ultimately lose if they keep oppressing people. Because at one point, people will stand up, will rise up against the oppressor, and will try to thwart them, will try to overthrow their reign, and build a new future for themselves and for their children. And that is the story of Andor. What strikes me in the way that they tell this story is that we are identifying from the beginning with these people that are oppressed, that literally don't have a future. Their only future is to serve the emperor and, their, and his minions. And they are literally robbed from their dignity. And if they're not careful, they will be robbed from their lives as well. And when they were working on the development of this series, that is exactly what led them in, in telling this story. They wanted to, for once, tell the story of regular people so that we, as Star Wars fans, as viewers, may empathize with the plight of the people that in other Star Wars stories we only kind of assume are there. In other stories, we've seen the story of heroes, of people that rise, that people that use the Force, and here is just regular people. And how does this oppression impact them? Storytelling in general is very important because stories are mirrors. They're showing us an, an, an imaginary world that 
still to be relevant resembles the world in which we live. And so you always have to ask yourself the question, why now? Why do they want to tell that particular story of Andor right now in our time? And what can we learn from this story? And this brings me to the Bible readings, where it's kind of the same question that we can ask whenever we, we hear those readings. Why would we read this? What's the relevance of these texts that were written down thousands of years ago? How does that relate to the world in which we live? Well, maybe there is a common message both in the scripture and in Star Wars that we can apply to our own situation. Let's first take a look at what is said in these particular readings. There is one common thread in the first reading and in the gospel, and that is there is division in our societies. There is a difference between the rich and the powerful and those that are powerless and are poor. And that has been part of humanity, of the world in which we live since the beginning of times. And in itself, these differences should not necessarily be a problem, provided those people consider each other to be brothers and sisters. Sure, one may be born in a, in a wealthy country and will have a wonderful uh, life full of opportunities. They can go to school. They, they have uh, a government that takes care of them. There is insurance and everything. And then there are people that are born in a totally different part of the world where they're already behind with everything and where maybe other countries are exploiting them for their resources and keeping them suppressed. When the rich and the powerful don't see the poor, don't take care of them, don't help the poor with their resources, that's where society starts to derail. And that is where people get frustrated and that can feed the wars that can feed revolt. And this is very much what is happening in our world today. There's so many places. Think of Ukraine, what's happening there and how Russia is trying to take hold of that independent country for its resources, for its access to trade routes and what, what not. But you cannot just start to invade another country and then think that everybody is just going to be complacent and just going to surrender right away. That's not how it works. People want to defend their freedom, so they rebel. But it leads to an incredibly painful, hurtful confrontation where both sides lose. There are no winners in war. Never. And this is kind of what is already included in these early warnings in Scripture, where from the beginning of time, God has tried to inspire us to take care of one another. Yes, there are differences, but if you are rich, you have received those resources to help those that are poor, because that's your brother, that's your sister. And Jesus will add, that's me who is asking you for help. Jesus identifies with the poor. And he says, if you want to take care of God, you have to take care of the poor. You have to take care of... Every time you help a poor man who asks for a bit of food or, or wants to be clothed or is imprisoned, every time you take care of someone who is in a worse situation than you, you're taking care of me. And I will not forget. I will remember that. And the story that Jesus tells, it's always interesting to see to who is he telling this. 
And he's talking to the Pharisees, people that had usually a very good position in society. They were religious leaders, they had their connections, they usually had pretty, a, a pretty good income, but they were also often tempted by the, those same resources and connections to only think of themselves, to be way too preoccupied with themselves, to care for the people that were not helping them. And to them, Jesus tells this story about this guy who is rich and can spend the money to have a wonderful life and have parties every day and invite friends. But all these people, when they go and eat there and have dinner and have a party at that home, they will have to enter that door and next to the door is Lazarus, who is poor, who is hungry and who is sick. He's covered in sores and none of these rich people stop to help him. And even though he, he may have begged for you know, a piece of bread that fell off the table, nobody gave it to them. The only creatures that take care of this poor man are the dogs. The dogs lick his wounds because the dogs recognize in the poor beggar at the door one of their own. You know, they, they, they too are trying to survive outside in the streets. They too are not allowed inside. They too are chased away when they're trying to find some food in the, in the remains of the, of the, of the party goers. So you see a solidarity among the poor, something which is actually also happening in the real world where you sometimes hear stories that in, in times of, of, of duress, like look at the situation in Ukraine, how much people, even though they are so in, in such horrible circumstances, they do take care of themselves. And they, they try to support each other way more than before the war. You see this also among the homeless. I've, I've been doing some documentaries here in the Netherlands. And, and when you talk with the people that live in the streets, they say, you know what? We're so happy that the parish is, is helping us and is giving us some food twice a week. But for the rest of the week, we have to take good care of one another. And, and, and we do that. We, we make sure that if someone is really in trouble, we go and, and ask for help. And, and so there's a lot of solidarity there. It's something that I think the rich and the powerful could learn from. And that is what Jesus points to. And then the story kind of takes a weird turn. Jesus says both man, the rich one and the poor one, die. One goes to hell and the other one goes to heaven. Let's simplify it like that. And then the rich man is begging for some help. And Abraham, who is, of course, for the Pharisees, this huge, I mean, that's the father of our faith. It's our example. Abraham is like, yeah, well, no, sorry, you can't do that. There is this chasm and we cannot cross this. And you have to wonder, why does he tell this story? Is Jesus trying to scare the Pharisees? Is he trying to scare us? You know, if you don't take care of the poor, then God will punish you and you will go straight to hell. No. If you only do the good out of fear of punishment, and that will lead to nothing. Fear is never, even though the empire in Star Wars thinks that they can use fear to get what they want, but ultimately fear is only going to, uh, to, to grow resistance and resentment. So that's just, that's not the way the force works. That's not the way Jesus works. So why does he tell that story then? It is because in the way that Jesus tells the story, he 
puts everything upside down. He inverts the roles. So in this life, the rich man is having a wonderful meal with all his friends, and the poor man is sitting there outside alone and, in, and miserable and in pain and hungry. And then in the second part of the story, the rich man now is in the situation where the poor man was. He too is suffering and he's asking for help and nobody gives him not even a drop of water. The chasm between heaven and hell is just a continuation of the chasm that the rich man himself had created by not looking outside his door if there was anyone that he could invite in and help. Heaven is a continuation of what we do here on earth. That is a very important concept in faith. Eternal life doesn't just start after we die. Eternal life begins today. And your future for eternity is determined by the choices that you make today. In Andor, Cassian is talking to some of his fellow victims of the empire. And uh, there's at one point, there's this question, but how can you, how are, how are you so good at manipulating things so you can steal from, from the empire? Aren't those stormtroopers going to fire at you? And he says, you know what? These, the empire, they're so complacent. They're just super, you know, well, they're just busy with their own seeking power and eating well, etc. They don't even notice me. And I think there's something really important in that, in that, um, uh, um, that realization that the empire is so vulnerable because they don't see the poor. They just ignore them. So that gives the poor an opportunity to you know, to start to rebel. The, the flaw of the Death Star was that the Empire thought that they were so impenetrable and so powerful that nobody could ever reach them. But they forget, they thereby have an open door that the rebels can use to, to, to reach the heart of their existence. The, the explosion of the Death Star is basically a symbol of wealth and power that is used for selfish purposes that will ultimately always explode. It's, you cannot build a fortress around yourself. Um, and this is, this is why, in conclusion, why I think both these Bible readings and also this story of Cash in Andor is so important for our world. We are confronted on a daily basis with images from people that are suffering be it in, in Ukraine, in that horrible war, or at the borders of our countries where refugees are trying to seek a better life. And our immediate instinct is, especially if we're comfortable ourselves, is to close the door, close the windows, try to distract ourselves and look, look away. And Jesus tells us to not do that, because every time we look away from the poor, we are closing the door to our eternal life. It is when you do what you can, and it's different for everyone, but if you empathize with the plight of the people that are in worse condition than you, that is what is going to heal you from your selfishness. That is going to open your heart so that God may give you his love. God cannot save people 
that have closed the door to his help. This is why Abram says there is this chasm. God cannot help a rich man who has closed the door to, to God himself. And it was Jesus who was sitting at the, on his doorstep. It's Jesus who on the cross says, I am thirsty. I need love. Take care of me. Love me. And you refuse that. And so if you have closed the door, there's no way that God can bring you from where you are right now to where he is. Only you can open the door. And you do that not after this life, but you do that today in this life because it's the only life that we've been given. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Gospel for Geeks. You can join me live for Mass every Sunday at 5 p.m. Central European Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Follow me on social media at Father Roderick for a link to the live stream. If you want to contribute to this ministry, go to fatheroderick.com donate.